your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. Today we're in sermon number 2 of a sermon series titled The Gospel of Genesis. Last week we looked at finding the gospel in the story of Adam and Eve. This week we're going to look at Cain and Abel. How many of you weren't here last week by a show of hands? Where were you at? <laughs> hey, God is good. Excited to be preaching this morning. I'm excited about this series. Uh, you pray for me. I had the most difficulty finding, uh, hearing from the Lord on this particular sermon. And uh, I just need his help today. So we're going to read verses 1 through 16, and then I'll pray and I'll preach. But I will ask you, please, one last time, would you stand in the honor of the reading of the Word of God? In Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, the Bible says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain bought an offering, brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will it not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you, a fugitive and a vagabond, you shall vagabond, you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth, and it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. The Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Let us pray. Father, we love you this morning, and we are thankful for the honor and the privilege to come together and worship you. God, as your people to come together as one body and bring you honor and glory. And Father, that is our intentions this morning, to bring you glory. Lord, I pray right now that you would touch my mind and my heart. God, that you would give me the strength to preach and the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost of God. Lord, I pray that every evil thing that would come against your work this morning, God, that it would be stopped in the name of Jesus. Lord, I'm expecting people to be saved this morning, Lord. I'm expecting chains to fall, Lord, off of Christians, Lord, that, uh, that have been holding them back. I'm, I'm expecting you to move this morning in a great way. And Lord, this morning, I just ask that you would have your way and your will. God, help us to receive your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, Adam and Eve, we studied last week, had lost their trust in the Lord and they had turned against God. They had did the very thing that God had asked them and commanded them not to do. And now we see their children, Adam and Eve, give birth to two sons. One is named Cain, he is the older son. And then they give birth to another son and his name is Abel. 
The Bible tells us in verse 3 that in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering to the Lord. First thing I want to point out this morning is that we are creatures of worship. Everyone worships something or someone. I didn't realize it before I was saved, but I worshipped someone. It wasn't God, but it was myself. My world was about me, and what I felt was the supreme authority, and what I thought pleased me is, is what I went after. And, 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 and I worshipped something. I worshipped popularity. I worshipped fame. I worshipped fortune. But can I tell you today, we are creatures of worship. You might not know that, but instinctively we are born with the, with the instinct that there is something greater than me that provides purpose and significance to my life. It might be stuff, it might be popularity, it might be success, it might be sports. There are some who worship false gods. And, there, and then there is a small group of people, it is not the majority, but there is a small group of people who come to learn that Jehovah God, the one true God, the one who spoke and created this universe into existence, He is the one that deserves my worship. Now Cain and Abel were worshiping this God. Because they too were creatures of worship. This morning I asked you the question, who is it that you worship? What is it that you worship? Cain brought an offering to the Lord and Abel brought another offering to the Lord. And this morning our text tells us that God looked with favor upon the offering of Abel but not on favor on favor with Cain's offering. And because God in His infinite wisdom decided not to tell us exactly why, this morning I'm not going to tell you either. I've read a lot of commentaries. Everybody's got their opinions on why God liked Abel's offering and why God didn't like Cain's. One could argue that Abel's had was a blood offering and Cain's was a grain offering and therefore it was not acceptable. But we see later, uh, as, as the law is given, that grain offerings and certain offerings of the ground were acceptable to the Lord. So what I don't want to do this morning is push and try to explain this, but we do know that God looked with favor upon one offering and not the other. The question is why? I would say this, the Bible tells us that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. God knew something we don't. God saw something we can't see. And it's interesting that in verse 6, excuse me, verse 7, God said, if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. God even connected the offering of Cain with sin. And while I can't tell you exactly what was wrong with the offering, I can tell you without any question it wasn't the best that Cain had to give. It wasn't the best Cain had to offer. And can I tell you, for those of us who have come to the place, it's already quiet in here. For those of us who get to the place that we learn that the Jehovah God, the God who is the great I Am, the one and only, is the one that deserves our worship, then there becomes two types of worship. That of Cain, which is the worship intended to appease God. And then that of Abel, which is the worship and the offering intended to please God. Cain simply wanted to give what he felt like he had to. The Bible says Cain was angry. Angry. And he blamed his brother Abel. Angry at Abel for what? Cain's offering was not the best. 
And God knew that and God saw that. Cain simply wanted to appease God. Listen closely. That type of worship, that type of offering is selfish. It says this. God, you ought to be pleased with what little I give you. I could have given you nothing. And I gave you something, and you're not pleased with it. The problem in that faulty line of reasoning is this. God gives you everything you have. God gives you every breath that you breathe, every step that you take, every dime you've ever made, Every God is the provider of all good things. And when I feel like I, He owes me something because I've given Him something that was of mine, I forget that I'm simply giving back to God what He has given to me. See, this was Cain's mode of worship. This was his mode of offering. And he was angry with God and he was angry with Abel. What does your offering look like this morning? Those who are appeasers are selfish worshipers. They feel as if God should be happy with what little He gets. I can't help but say this. I was writing this down and this thought came to my mind about some very... Uh, listen, I don't know who gives what. I don't. I have no idea. I don't see your tithe checks. You could give ten grand or you could give ten dollars and I would not know. But this thought came to my mind. Surely... There is a handful of folks in here that gave a whole lot less than Cain. Week after week after week, that offering plate comes by, and you don't pay your tithes, and you don't give, and you're not faithful in your offerings. You're an appeaser. You don't understand how great God is. You don't understand the worship He deserves. You don't understand the offering that is His. And if you're honest with yourself, just be honest with yourself this morning. Even though you give less than what you know is expected, somehow, someway, you feel like God is still obligated to bless you and take care of you. And if He doesn't, you're angry with Him. This is the way of Cain. True worship. It provokes the fire of God. We see that throughout the Scriptures. Some commentaries even argue that it's possible that the very same fire that fell on the altar uh, when Elijah went against the prophets of Baal, uh, that the same fire that fell from heaven in Second uh, Chronicles when, when they brought the, the, uh, the temple to, to pass and, and God blessed it by bringing fire from heaven, that the same fire that came from heaven fell and licked up the offering here. The Bible doesn't say that, but we do know this. Worship. True worship, a true offering to God, it brings the fire from heaven. Not only does it bring the fire of heaven, but it brings the hatred of men. A murdering spirit. Cain decided, I will kill Abel. He got angry with Abel. And again, we see the promise that we looked at last week in Genesis chapter 3, that the seed of Satan and the seed of the woman that would eventually bring Jesus Christ, the Messiah, to this earth, that those two seeds would be at war with each other, and they are still at war with each other to this very day. There is the seed of the woman and the seed of Satan. And the seed of Satan seeks to destroy the children of God. Cain was angry at Abel. And he wanted to destroy him. He had a murdering spirit. You know, Jesus said, if you're angry at your brother without a cause, you're guilty of murder. This is why 1 John chapter 3 says that he that says that he loves God but hates his brother is a liar and the love of God is not in him. This morning, do you have hatred in your heart for anyone? But especially someone that you know is a Christian. I don't expect to get a lot of amens this morning until about the last five minutes of my sermon. 
But it is important that we deal with this. Let me tell you why. Because the way of Cain, which is what the Bible calls it, it's a very interesting way. It is a religious way. It is a way of those who understand that there is one God and His name is the Lord and He is the great I Am and He deserves my worship. And so I give Him what I think I have to, but nothing more. Often the very motivation that I give if I'm in the way of pain is so that God will give back. So that He owes me something. God, I've given you a tenth of what what I could. Now, I want you to give me back a hundredfold. You're not really giving because you understand that He's worthy of your worship. I'm getting ahead of myself. But friends, what has He given us? The precious blood that was shed on Calvary's hill. The redemption of our souls that were stained with sin. He has given those of us that will place our faith in Him a, a heart that was once dead and black. He's washed it whiter than snow and given us life and life abundantly. He has given us eternal life. And when you understand what He's given, you must ask yourself, Lord, what do I really give to You? Worship is a lifestyle. It's not just about what you give in the offering plate. But don't you kid yourself and think that what you give in the offering plate doesn't say something about your worship to God. Amen, Pastor. I'll move on. Cain was jealous of Abel. He wanted to destroy Abel. To get rid of everything in his life that was more righteous than he was. See, that's what the devil wants to do to us. He hates us and he hates our relationship with God. I don't know if I can articulate this this morning, but I'm going to try. You see, the devil once used to be God's supreme angel. He was in charge of the worship of God and of leading all the other angels in the worship of the supreme creator of the universe. And one day he thought to himself, I'm just as righteous as God is. I can be like God. It's the same lie that he told Eve. And he tried to exalt himself to that position and God cast him and a third of the angels out of heaven. And today Satan, he puts that same poison He tries to inject that same poisonous doctrine into the hearts of people. That you are more righteous than he. And Cain hated his brother because his brother had a deeper relationship with God. And rather than repent of his sins, and rather than acknowledge, I didn't give God my best. This isn't Abel's fault. This is my fault. Rather than acknowledge that, he said, I'll just kill the thing that shows life on my darkness. They did the same thing to Jesus. The Pharisees were the same way. They seemed so righteous and holier than you and holier than everybody else. And then all of a sudden, here comes Jesus. And rather than look inward and see, I'm not quite as righteous as I've been acting. I'm not quite as pure as what everybody thinks I am. They said, we'll just kill the one that shows us that we aren't who we think we are. And this was Cain's attitude. Notice, he blamed Abel for his lack of success with God. Where did he get that from? Mom and Dad. Dad said, God, the woman you gave me, she made me do it. God said, woman, why'd you do it? The serpent, he made me do it. But it's not my fault. Adam says, it's not my fault. She says, it's not my fault. Listen closely this morning. Parents, our children learn from us. We need to live righteous, honest lives before God and before our families. Our children learn from our mistakes. And if you've lived a long life 
and, 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 and you have shown your children things that should not have been shown to them. Listen, I'm not trying to bring condemnation upon you this morning. What you simply need to do is get up and walk the right way, repent of your sins, and show them a life transformed by the forgiving power of Jesus Christ. But friends, our children learn from what we do. Abel blamed, uh, excuse me, Cain blamed Abel for his lack of success with God. There's folks this morning, you feel distant from God, you feel angry with God, you f- you're frustrated, and you're blaming it on everybody. It's his fault, her fault, the pastor's fault, he preaches too hard all the time, makes me leave feeling bad. Hey, listen. The rich young ruler came and Jesus told him the way to be saved and he left sad. Your response to the truth of God will dictate how you feel, friend. It's not about how I preach. It's not about how anybody else has acted. It's not. We've got to learn to accept responsibility for our own actions. Cain learned from his parents not to accept responsibility for his own actions. He learned to blame others for his lack of intimacy with God. He blamed Abel for his sad countenance. But notice God lays the blame at the feet of Cain. And let us move on. God says to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. We see that we are creatures of worship. We see that worship provokes the fire of God and the hatred of men. And now we see the principle of sin. That word lies at the door. And if you do, if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. The word is robats. It means to crouch specifically in a lying position, but ready for action. There is no greater example of what this word literally means than a lion who is ready to attack. He is laying down. He is waiting patiently for his victim to make the wrong move. He is relaxed. He is not running, but at the same time, he is ready at any moment to pounce on his prey. That is the best definition of this word, and God says that's what sin is like. It lies at the door, just waiting for you to come by. And God gives Cain this warning to beware lest sin crouches and jumps upon you. In other words, Cain, don't let these boiling thoughts of anger overtake you. You know, the Bible says to be angry and sin not. There's a lot of folks that allow their emotions to become for them the voice of the Holy Spirit. Whatever they feel, they think that's the Spirit of God. I'm angry, so I'm just going to tell them. I'm sad, so I'm going to be this way. Or I'm this way, or I'm so, I'm going to just, so I'm going to do this thing. God says, hold on a second, friend. Sin is crouching at the door. It is ready to pounce upon you and destroy you at any moment. And its desire is for you. Its desire is to control you. And we see, interestingly enough, as this principle of sin is introduced to us in Genesis chapter 4, that God speaks to the will of Cain. You see, you have the will to let sin destroy you or not. We are sinners by birth. And we will But make no mistake about it, friends, the reason we sin is because we choose to sin. Nobody made that woman eat the apple. Nobody made that man eat the apple. And nobody forced Cain 
to take a knife and slay his brother. They chose to listen to the voice of sin saying, do it, do it, do it. Be selfish. Be about yourself. Don't love your brother. Don't care about him. Destroy him. That voice of sin crouching at the door, trying to pounce and pounce and pounce. And God speaks to Cain about it. And He speaks to His will. This morning you have the will to say yes or no to sin. Now we do sin. And I'm not saying this morning, I don't even have the time to go here. I'm wasting my time explaining myself. It's too late now, I already started. I'm not saying that you can just make up your mind you're never going to sin again, because you can't. This is why we need a Savior. And thank God there is salvation in Jesus Christ and that He makes us new creations. He gives us the power to overcome sin, to turn from what is wrong and to follow after Him and live a life of righteousness. You're going to fall on the way. You're going to make mistakes. But friends, just because we are sinners by nature and just because it is a reality that I will sin does not excuse me from the responsibility of saying no to it and understanding it's crouching at my door. There are folks that just live their life justifying their sins. Everybody sins. You've got a will, friend. You have a will. And you sin because you choose to sin, not because you have to. Be careful. Because sin will take you places that you don't want to go. It will cause you to act and do be crazy things and live in behaviors that you never thought were capable of. God made a very strong appeal to Cain's will. It was up to Cain to conquer sin in himself, to control it, rather than to be controlled by it. And I want you to notice it was not too late for him to choose the way of God. You see, Cain had a form of godliness, but he denied the power of it. In 1 John 3, chapter 12, or chapter 3, verse 12, the Bible tells us that Cain was a child of the devil. In other words, he practiced a righteousness that was a false righteousness, a righteousness of the flesh. The text reads, not as Cain, who was the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brother's righteous. Jesus called the Pharisees children of the devil. And in Luke chapter 11, he blamed the Pharisees with this. He said that their kind was guilty for the death of Abel. Jude chapter 11 talks about the way of Cain. We see the principle of sin. In verse 8, Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. From the ground. Just like his parents, Cain also tried to cover things up. This is the last thing I'm going to say about parents this morning, but I'm going to say it again. Parents, we need to live righteous lives in front of our children, not just in the church, but at home. Our children become much like we are. And I'm not blaming If you've got a child that's gone off and did some crazy things, I'm not blaming you for their actions and God will hold them accountable for their own actions. But it is the truth of God that our children follow in our footsteps. And what they receive here at this church, and I thank God we, we have good teachers that teach your children the Word of God in this church. And we're seeing a lot of young people saved. It's an amazing thing. We're seeing young people saved here in this church. 
And I don't just mean decisions. I don't just mean talking kids into saying a prayer and then us popishly pronouncing them as saved. But I mean working with them, speaking to them about repentance, the need for salvation, and cautiously moving forward until they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and profess Him as Savior and consciously speak the need to repent of their sins. We are seeing that happen in this church. But listen to me. Praise the Lord. He's worthy of our praise. Thank God for it. But what your children get here pales into comparison to the gospel they see in your own life. And if you think you can bring them to this church and sit them in front of a teacher for an hour and a half a week and then live like the devil in front of them the rest of the week and hope they're going to turn out following God, friend, you are sadly mistaken. I told you I won't get too many amens for the last five minutes of this sermon. Some of you are praying, God, let's get to the last five minutes of this sermon. Cain tried to cover things up. Just like his parents in verse 7 of chapter 3 put fig leaves on themselves to try to cover up their nakedness. Again, we see the way that we as humans try to deal with our sin. We try to cover it up. We try to hide it. His parents tried to hide themselves with leaves and Cain tried to cover everything up with the dirt. God says, where is Abel, your brother? I'm reminded God asked Adam, you remember when God was walking through the garden? He said, Adam, where are you? It's a pretty important question this morning. Where are you? Where are you at with God? Again, we look on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. Where does God see you this morning concerning your relationship with Him? It is a very important question. Notice, sin always finds us out. It finds us out. Even though we try to hide it, you might hide it for a while, but friends, your sins will find you out. We think that if we hide our sins from people, we're safe. Hey, people aren't the ones you're going to answer to for your sin. I'm not the one you're going to answer to for your sin. You can hide your sins from me and trick me into thinking you're the most righteous person I've ever met in my life. It doesn't matter. You don't answer to me for your sins. You answer to God. And the problem you have with trying to hide your sins from God is that God even hears the voice of blood. We're going to hear that in a moment. God sees what we don't see. God's so close to us, He hears the very thoughts that we think. You can't hide it from Him. And sometimes if we're not careful, we'll think that because we hide it from everyone else in our life and everybody else thinks I'm righteous and even my wife doesn't know and even my husband doesn't know and even my pastor thinks that I'm a great man or even my pastor thinks that I'm a great woman. We think we've got this free path and that because everybody around us pronounces us as these, this great man or woman of God, that, that somehow this secret sin, this secret double life that I'm living is not going to find itself out. But friend, if you are living a double life, if you are secretly allowing sin to continually be a part of your life, if you haven't repented of sin and you haven't turned from what's wrong and started following after Jesus Christ, you know this, your sins will find you out. They will be dealt with. God comes to Cain. He says, what are you so angry about? If you do well, if you do well, won't it be fine? But if you do not do well, sin is at the door trying to destroy you. And he says, where's your brother? I want you to notice Cain's answer. Am I my brother's keeper? I don't know where he's at. What I cannot do this morning, even though I'm going to try, I cannot explain the horror of sin. What it does to our heart, what it does to our mind, it corrupts us. Sin is the enemy of your soul. 
sin seeks to separate you from the God that loves you with the perfect love, that created you with the perfect plan, that created you in His image. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And sin seeks to destroy you and move you away from that plan. And one sin leads to another. I could preach all day on it and show you places over and over and over in the Bible and you could point at your own life. When you decide you're just going to do this one little sin, it's not long before next week you're a little bit more bitter, you're a little bit more angry, and you're ready, and, and, it's, and, and it just it spirals. I have a difficult time understanding the closeness that Cain and Abel had with the Lord and how he yet walked with them and spoke with them in a manner different than he speaks with us. Uh, through the Spirit. It was God and Cain speaking. The Lord. And Cain snaps back at him. I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? He's angry at God. And he's angry at Abel. We think crazy things when we decide we're just going to let sin rule. Am I my brother's keeper? What a selfish response. Let me tell you the answer to that question. Yes. That's the answer to it. Yes. You are your brother's keeper. Jesus said in this, all the law and the prophets hang that you love your neighbor as yourself and that you love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, strength, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. You are your brother's keeper. Selfishness crept in, Cain. This is the way of Cain. He was angry at God because God wasn't satisfied with how little Cain was giving. Cain had that attitude that some of you have this morning. You're just kind of sick of this Christian thing. I told God I'd come to church. My life still ain't better. But God owes you something for being here this morning? You must have forgot the significance of the cross. You must have forgot the significance that He did give. His one and only Son to hang and bleed and die that our sins might be forgiven, that we might know Him in the free pardon of sin, that we might be in a relationship with the supreme Creator of heaven and earth. But see, the way of Cain, it doesn't see all that because it's all about me. And it's all about me trying to control what God does for me by how little I give Him. It's a dangerous road to be on. This morning, I just plead with you to check your heart and ask yourself, what are my motives? Why am I here this morning? Why did I give what I gave this morning? Why do I live the way I live through the week? And Do I really see God for who He is and does He really have my life? He refused to show respect to the eternal God. He leaned back on his own selfish understanding and defiance and spoke to the living God that which none of us should ever dare to utter. Because sin begats sin. We have got to flee from sin. Run from it. Run from it like Joseph did. Give the devil not even the smallest foothold in your life. I thank God for grace. I thank God that when I fall, He's there to lift me up. But friends, we are not thinking correctly and we are not biblically correct when we think that because God is a graceful God that I'm doing myself a favor by allowing sin every day in my life and all these footholds and strongholds for the devil to work himself in and separate me from the relationship that God desires me to have with Him. We must flee from sin. Cain says, I do not know. He's a liar. Not only does he know where he is, he knows where his dead corpse is at. Where he hid him after slaying him innocently. And God said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Here's what we see finally today. The blood speaks. The blood speaks. 
God heard something that Cain never thought God was going to hear. You see, Cain thought that it was all over. Cain thought that he'd covered it up, that everything was fine, Abel's gone, God's not going to know about it, and now I'm going to be the most righteous person that worships God because I've got rid of this one over here. Now God's really going to have to be pleased with me. He don't have anyone else but me. Cain didn't understand that this God could hear the voice of blood. And God says, what's this I hear? The voice of your brother's blood cries out. The blood cries out. What does it cry out for? God, help me to preach this this morning. First of all, it cries out to the living God for vengeance. Can I tell you this morning, God knows what goes on. God sees every wicked deed that's ever been done. God hears the voice of the blood. And God will repay one day. There is coming a day when God will once and finally and forever deal with sin and deal with Satan and deal with the enemies of God. And there will be vengeance. Vengeance is the Lord's, the Bible says. God hears the cries of the afflicted. He hears those who have been wounded. He hears those children that have been hurt. He hears those who have had their innocent blood shed. And know this, it might look to us from the outside looking in that at this day and time, God's not doing anything about it. But you know this, He hears the voice of the blood. And there will come a day when God will deal with sin. Abel's blood speaks. And God would deal with this man, Cain. But there's another blood that speaks. And I want to talk to you this morning about what that blood says. Matter of fact, Hebrews tells us to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, into the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. What does the blood of Jesus speak to us this morning? First of all, it speaks to the horror of sin. There is no act in the history of the world other than the cross that so beautifully and yet horribly shows us the love of God and the wrath of God at the same time. If you don't think that God hates sin, think on the cross for an hour, my friend. You think about the terror that Jesus went through. You look at the horror of the crucifixion and the beating that He endured and the blood that ran down from His hands and His feet. And you look at the terrible thing that happened on the cross and you will see that God hates sin. And at the same time, you'll see that He loves you. Hey, if you're a sinner this morning and you haven't been saved, God loves you. He hates your sin because your sin keeps you from Him. Your sin has you bound and wrapped up and destined to an eternity in hell. And God doesn't want you to go there. He hates that thought. He hates it so much that just as Cain slayed Abel in that field, so too did Jesus leave the splendor of heaven, leave the glory of His kingdom to come down to the field of earth only to be slain for you and I. He loves you this morning. He just hates the sin that separates you from Him. The blood speaks this morning. Thank God that God hears the blood. Cain tried to cover everything up, but God heard the blood. I have this picture in my mind. I think, Satan, if you only would have read Genesis chapter 4. Because, see, Satan thought that it was all done. Satan had 
had prompted Judas Iscariot to, to go and, and, and betray Jesus and lead the, the, those that were coming to take him captive to where he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Satan orchestrated that entire event and, 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 and Jesus would hang there and he would bleed and his blood would drip from his hands and his feet to the ground and he would breathe his his last breath. And just as Cain thought it was over with Abel and everything was done, just as Cain thought it was done, so too did Satan. But Satan didn't know the blood speaks. What does the blood speak this morning? It speaks, greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. In two words, it speaks exactly what Jesus said right before He breathed His last breath. It's finished. It is finished. Revelation chapter 12 tells us that Jesus is the accuser of the brethren. Excuse me, that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And when Satan stands and he accuses me, the blood of Jesus speaks, he's clean through the blood. When Satan stands and he accuses me, the blood speaks, I've washed his heart white as snow. I'm covered by the blood. And when God passes over and he sees me, he sees the blood applied to me. The blood speaks on my behalf this morning. I'm not perfect. I still have faults and failures. I still fall on my face. But thank God the blood speaks. It is sufficient for every sin that I've ever done, every sin I'll ever commit. The blood speaks to my favor this morning. Are you covered in the blood? The blood still speaks. Are you covered in the blood? Are you on the way of Cain this morning? Finally, I'll ask our worship team to come. God tells Cain He's going to punish him. And Cain says, my punishment is greater than I can bear. It's amazing to me that Cain felt like the murder of his righteous brother was just, but that God's punishment of Cain was unjust. And Cain says to the Lord, I'm going to be killed. And God says, that he put a mark on Cain. It tells us this. Cain, as a child of the devil, was marked just as the devil was marked. God's going to get deal with the devil. There is a mark on Satan. And there will come a day and a time when God will finish him off. And I want you to notice, the last verse I read was this. Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. I prayed a lot about this sermon because compared to all, all the other ones, we've got Noah and the ark. Sodom and Gomorrah is going to be difficult. But when we deal with Abraham and Isaac, the story of Joseph, it's going to be a good time. I prayed about this sermon, though, because I thought, God, this is heavy. Then my wife told me we were having family Sundays. The kids were going to be in here. But here's one of the things I love about the Word of God. It's real. It's not always easy. Sometimes it's extremely hopeful, but friends, when we deal with the reality of sin, when we look at the way of Cain and where it leads us, there's nothing great about it. Cain refused to repent. The Bible says that he went out away from the presence of the Lord. What a terrible place to go. But you know, if you don't repent of your sins, if you don't turn to the one true living God, there's nowhere to go except away from the presence of the Lord. This morning, you need to be saved. God, have your way in this place. This morning, are you on the way of Cain? This morning, do you not understand the horror of sin? This morning, if you're a child of God here in this place, thank God that the blood speaks on your behalf. Thank God that when that old accuser, the devil, comes along and he begins to accuse and remind you of what you did in the past and remind you of what you were, you just tell him, the blood speaks. 
the blood speaks. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old man is dead. I'm not the same person I used to be. That black, cold, dead heart is now alive to the living God. It's been washed white as snow. I'm not the same I used to be because the blood has been applied to me. And the blood has something else to say about this. It still speaks. Father, we love you this morning. God, we thank you. Thank you, Lord.